0: This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 214. Hey, veterinary friends, Dr. Julie Capel. welcome to the podcast. I've got a wonderful guest for you today. Her name is Katie Brooks, and she is a licensed veterinary technician and a certified veterinary practice manager. She is the CEO of CVCA Cardiac Care for Pets, and she is the co-founder and CEO of Partner Veterinary Emergency and Specialty Center. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. I'm so happy to have you. I am. I am very happy to be here. Thank you, Julie, for having me on. I'm very yeah, excited. It's lovely. I, it's lovely to meet you. And I'm really interested in, in what you're going to tell us about today. So can you start, I always ask everyone this, um, by telling me your veterinary story. Like, how'd you get into vet med? When did you know that that was something you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, Um. great question. Um. I grew up always wanting to be a veterinarian I think like 98% of little girls um (laughs) and so I I mean I used to buy you know books and you know pretend to be a vet to my own pets and um and so when it came time to go off to school um my family had you know had some difficulty with job losses and um And my dad was sick. My dad had cancer. Um, And so I um, worked to get a full scholarship to do pre-vet, but it was halfway across the country. And when it was time to go, my dad went out of remission. And so um, very, very last minute, literally the absolute last minute, um, decided to apply to tech school because there was one within an hour of my house. And I could, you know, stay there, help take care of him. Um, do tech school in the morning, um, take him to appointments in the afternoon and then work at night at an ER practice. So, um, so I made the shift to be a vet tech, you know, for family reasons, really Mm -hmm. Um, went through tech school, um, worked in GP um, emergency internal medicine um, and got burned out pretty quick. Like most techs do um, just because the environment, you know, I, um, it was a rough environment. I had a long commute. Um, interestingly enough, I actually fell asleep at the wheel on the way home oh, um, no. from work one day. Did you crash! I did. I, I oh, ran into a work van. Fortunately, I did not hurt anybody. Um, but it was a big wake up call to say, this is not a, this is not an okay life. I mean, I was, you know, 22, 23 years old and just exhausted all the time and, um, working nonstop and, you know, just really struggling. And so I came to CVCA, which is a, which a multi-location cardiology group, um, because they had advertised a part-time position and I could go back to school and do something else. So I was like, I need to get out of this profession. Um, so it was interesting, you know, what we were talking about.
0: (laughs) I know know. I told you my mission was to keep people in the profession.
1: That's right. (laughs) Yes. And now mine is too. Exactly. And now mine is too. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I came to CVCA, to you know, work there and figure out what else, what other thing to do. I actually loved what I did um, in terms of you know, helping patients. I loved the people I work with, but just the environment and the setup was just not conducive to really living a life at all. And so, and I thought that that's where it was everywhere. When I came to CVC, I was really impressed with the culture. Um, it was very different than what I had known before. It was very inclusive. Um, the doctors were very appreciative of that. It. it was very, um, you know, cohesive team environment. And we were able to deliver really high level efficient care to the clients. And um, And I just really fell in love with the organization and the way that we were able to work in it. And so a couple years in, um, one of the founders asked me if I would be interested in trying to manage. At the time, we were five locations. We didn't really have central management. And I didn't know anything about management. So I went to the library because we didn't really have internet yet. Before the um, internet. Before the internet. Went to the library. Checked out a book on how to manage a dental practice. Because that's what they had. Um, you know. Close enough, started- right? Exactly. It was close enough. Um, they sent me to the Veterinary Management Institute at Purdue. Um for, you know, so that was, you know, weekend modules, um, really good introduction, I thought into all the different aspects, you know, strategic planning, and um, marketing, and, you know, finance, and um, and HR, and things like that, and so over the next, and I've, that was 21 years ago, um, a little over 21 years ago, and I just learned a very non-traditional way, you know, surrounding myself with people who knew more, being part of veterinary management groups, I've hired um, advisory boards, I've you know, uh, been involved with CEO trust, like anything I could do to learn from people, um, to figure out how I could do better, hiring consultants, um, reading, and that is sort of the education that I built for myself. Um, and I grew CVCA from five locations to 22, um, and we have 44 doctors now. Um across the country. and um, the the thing I'm most proud of is not that piece, it's the retention that we've had. It's the fact that we have a really amazing team um, of people who have been there for, you know, some for a very, very long time. and um, and I the the thing that I was able to do there is learn how to build sustainable careers for people by focusing on their experience in the environment. And then know that the business does well because of that, right? Because you've got the right people there. You're giving them the tools that they need to do their jobs. Um, they're able to then provide a really high level of care. So um, so that was my journey to CEO, which is very long and windy. And I love telling that story because I could not have seen that outcome at the beginning at all. Yeah. I, if you had asked sure. me,
0: yeah. I'm sure when your dad was ill and you had to give up your vet school dream, that was probably kind of devastating, huh?
1: It was. I thought at at the time it was a temporary thing. Um, and then, but honestly, I've never looked back. as the right thing. I'm so glad that I did that. I'm so glad that I had that time with him that I Absolutely. never would have gotten back right um he he survived for 5 years after diagnosis um wow. when his prognosis was 3 or 4 months at the time wow Good um, for him. so yeah so the fact that we got that time um i also once i became a tech i realized how at the time how much i really loved putting hands on the patients you know just that aspect of you know the nursing care and you know um getting a pet to eat after surgery, you know, all of those things was very rewarding to me. And mm-hmm. I think because I'd always been so interested in veterinary medicine, I, um, I had a skill for anticipating the doctor's needs. And so um, I had a lot of really great experience as a technician. Um, but I do remember, interestingly enough, the last day of tech school, one of the things they told us was how I think the statistics at the time were that half Half of the licensed techs would leave the profession within five years. Um, wow. and we were just like, wow, first of all, why didn't you tell us the first day of class?
0: Because <laughs> they um, want your money,
1: so you stay right, in the class, exactly. right? It's like oh, you know, you're, quit until you're done, this. which is yeah, really exactly. ironic.
0: That's
1: right. That's right. Um, but you know, they're right. And and I understand and I see it a lot. Um, so to be able to, you know, have worked in environments that that think differently. Um, so t- a couple of years ago, um, a, a friend and, um, colleague of mine who had, she, her path is relatively similar to mine. She ran a neurology practice and both of us, you know, kind of got together and she said, how would you like to open an emergency practice with me? I know a lot of people in these couple of areas that are really, um, um, great people who just, they, environments that they've been working in are not good. And I think that, you know, you and I think similarly oh. and we can do it together. And I said, open an ER, no way, I don't want to do that. <laughs> because I, I felt at the time like, well, people don't want to work those hours, you know, that's going to be too hard. And so we really started talking with people, um, talking with the vets and understanding their pain points. And the story was very similar person to person. And we looked at it as wow, these are things we think we can do something about. You know, these are these are problems that we feel like are mostly fixable if you solvable. Yeah, if you really focus, I I think a lot of emergency practices are afterthoughts and, and treated as such and you know, kind of become the dumping ground. But we thought, you know, there's a there's a very talented, very dedicated group of people who love emergency medicine what is it that they need? Let's just ask them. And then let's take our business knowledge and background and figure out how to do it in a healthy, sustainable way. And so that's what we're doing right now, which I'm really excited about because I think that of all of veter- all of veterinary medicine has been in a lot of pain, particularly the last three years, um, mm-hmm. an emergency has gotten it pretty bad. Um, yeah, worse than the day pain. clinics for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's really heartbreaking to see. And now what we're seeing is um, is emergency rooms closing, diverting cases, people unable to get care. Um, right. and, and it's happened to me with all the people I know at, with this guy back here. Really?
0: <laughs> so, oh, yes. tell me that yeah. story.
1: Well, if you want yeah. to, if you want to it, yeah.
0: pull us off, but we can come back.
1: Yeah. Tell yeah, me. No, he, um, he, 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 we have a, um, you know, about three acres in the woods and it's a, it's invisible fence. So he has the run of, um so he um came in it was last summer, I believe, it was a little over a year ago, um, and was just bleeding out of his chest, shoulder area, um, had gotten impaled by something in the woods. Um, we still don't know what it was. Um, but I, you know, called our local ER, who I know really well, and they were at capacity diverting cases, and the um the CSR started crying on the phone and she's like I'm so sorry I know who you are I've heard you speak I can't help you wow. and um and I just felt awful for her I was really scared for him too you know when I was like okay I'm you know trying to kind of console her because she's in that position of having to tell people we cannot help you um right. over and over and it was just crushing her you could tell As it turned out, my my cardiology team helped out. We have we had an amazing resident who had just completed a a rotating internship, and so you know, her and I, you know, worked on and put a Penrose drain in, fixed him right up. But um, but I've heard those stories of people from across the country of you know lack of access to care, and it's because a we don't have enough people in the profession, creating enough people in the profession, and we're not keeping them, and and families suffer because of that because you. And then the vets suffer, too, because they're just faced with way too much, too much work to do. And yeah. then the clients get upset because they don't understand everything that's behind. And the emotional toll of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so these people are showing up to work today, day in and day out, and just getting punished because people are so angry that they've had to wait because they just don't understand. So, um, So I feel like anything that I can do as a human to help alleviate that is that, that is really my mission. That's, that's what I, that's what I wake up for. Yeah. So is that
0: how, um, partner veterinary started? Like, is that, was that the idea is let's fix this?
1: It was uh, honestly, it was, um, we, we knew we personally knew people who are in the profession who were like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I can't do this here. Can, can you, can you guys, it was my partner, Um, Christine people were reaching out to her and saying can you come open something in Richmond we need you know we need something better Um, and you know and really just the idea came about by taking a group of people and just talking through with the people doing the work and figuring out what it needed to look like and that's how the idea was born is let's just Question everything, you know. Our I think uh, sometimes our profession doesn't um, reinvent itself enough to kind right. of keep pace. Yeah, we're kind of we behind the to, times yeah. in a lot of ways, aren't we? we are. Yeah, yeah, we really are sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: so do so you yeah. do you see that as the primary challenge that we have right now in vet med? Is the self care piece of it, the taking care of the people in the profession, so they'll stay? or the taking care of the clients. So they have a place to go. Like what, what happened with you? Or like I think combination? It's, I think
1: you can't you? do one without the other. You can't, right. you have to take care of the people first or the care won't be available. Right. You know? And, and I think that that's where it gets lost. I think there's a lot of um, there's, there's a lot of consumer goods focused money in vet med now. And um, the focus is on, um, more on the you know the numbers than the people. Um when you run a business you you have to deal with both. There's no question right. about that. Right. But you know, things like looking at staffing costs. You know, I think sometimes the people making the decision don't understand that you know sometimes the staffing costs need to be high. Sometimes you need more people to support certain types of doctors depending on what they do and depending on Absolutely. what that specialty looks like. And Um, getting into the nuances of that I think that where we get lost is when we lose the connection to the front line to the people doing the work and not you know the people making the decisions aren't seeing the realities and the difficulties that they're facing and so they literally don't have what they need Um, whether it's equipment whether it's space whether it's um, a number of team members whether it's the right training materials um, if they don't, if they don't have what they need, it just makes the job harder and harder. And it's no matter what, it's going to be a hard job, right? Emotionally, we know that Right. Um, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but if your environment is as supportive as it can be, you can take a lot of that, uh, alleviate a lot of that, I think. Yeah. So
0: how, how are you proposing that this happen? Like, what are, what's the nitty gritty of, you know, what are the details of how do we care for the people on the ground, get enough of the staff that we need, and also, you know, make a profit and run the business? Like, what do you see as in your corporation is how is that all going to work?
1: Great question. I think it's it's multifaceted. So I think that um, we need to be very day we do right so everybody can say the pretty words of you know we put our people first or you know culture you know all of those things but i think we need to really hold ourselves accountable to what are we actually doing on a day-to-day basis to so for instance at partner when we say we support that you know we want a good culture and we support people's well-being and mental health you know, we have resources um, for them, you know, to to use from a mental health standpoint. But also one of the things that we do is before an employee starts, they get paid time off to go decompress. Um, because a lot of times, yeah. you know, people don't necessarily can't necessarily afford to take off between jobs. But is it fair of us to say, okay, you've been you've been burned out and maybe in a toxic environment, we want you to come in tomorrow with a different mindset and think about everything differently, you know, be a totally different person. So, you know, we're, we're giving them that week before they even walk in the door to say, listen, we're going to pay you go do what makes you, you, whatever that is, don't come to work, you know, remember what connects you to what you want to do. And then they can walk in with a different mindset. And mm-hmm. say now we want you to be a part of telling us when you know things could be better and being positive and being solution oriented and all of that. So it was to, to us we were really excited about that idea because it was a very tangible thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's we're showing a commitment to our people before they even start. You know, yeah. this is and that's unique. This I've is not tough. heard that before. I don't know that anyone else that does that. Yeah, um, I don't either. Yeah. I right. I would I've love to talk to a lot vets and I've
0: not heard the paid, like you can give them time off all you want, but the fact that you're paying them for that self-care time for a week is really
1: unique. I think yeah, that's great. Exactly. And when you look at what is the expense of that as compared to turnover expense, or, you know, how costly is it to hire the wrong person or to bring in someone who, you know, we all know it only takes one person to, um, uh, to challenge a culture, right? Right. Right. Um, so we want to be, you know, very, um, very intentional about that. Um, another thing that we've done is our leadership is comprised of um, people who know the business side of veterinarians, of specialty veterinarians, of technicians. You know, that gives us a really good um, representation of the people that are in the practice, um, and that's part of um, part of what's really important to us is that. Um, that every level of the organization and every job role has representation where decisions are being made and that we're getting input um, for the people doing the work. I think that that's really important too. It's time consuming. It's not easy, but it saves you a lot of headache down the road, I think.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I don't think a lot of veterinary leaders tune into the piece of it that if you can't keep your employees long-term that it's more expensive. Like you're better off yeah. paying them more and treating them better and giving them more mm-hmm. time off in the long run, because then they stay, right. you know, that was exactly. something, I don't know how I learned that early in my career, but I just was always about trying to take care of my people before anything else.
1: That's and, right.
0: and it worked for me. Like I kept technicians for 20 some 30 years almost, you know, that's amazing. And some that actually left came back. So I think that, you know, just focusing on the people first, before even the clients and the pets and all that is is so important. So I'm glad that you've kind of figured that out for this particular, you know, endeavor.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so true. I think um, there's, I think people get tripped up because, if if you think about it in terms of an all or nothing, well, if we, you know, flex for one person, we have to do this for everybody. And the reality is, is that people have different needs. Mm -hmm. Everybody goes through a life challenge at some point. We all need some grace, you know, during that period of time. I mean, I think that if we're able to think outside the box, it gets us a lot farther down. Um, I think another, you know, solid piece that we focused on is transparency. Um, I think that's important, too, when you're running a business, um, is to be able to have honest and open conversations with people of, um, okay, so, you know, if you feel like you need another team member, what does that look like? What does our revenue have to be to support that? How are we going to use, utilize our people? Like, just being very um transparent with how business decisions need to be made because at the end of the day we do we have to have a sustainable business to run or we won't be here tomorrow right Right. right. so numbers do factor into the equation and I think that um, the difference between sharing those numbers the conversation around actuals versus feelings is a lot different um, and so being able to do that and just be open with Here's how we make decisions. Here are the things that we need to get to in order to get to that outcome that we all feel like we need. Um, That's important too, because then everybody's pulling in the same direction, Right. you know, instead of operating in a vacuum and just saying, I'm not getting what I need and I don't understand why.
0: Right. And the frustration and not understanding, you know, why we can't hire 10 more people because yeah, it would be easier to work, but we might not be able to pay the bills
1: right exactly yeah, yeah. yeah and an are we utilizing topic. the people that we have appropriately you know like right. what what is the decision matrix that we have to do every if you ask anybody in vetmed right now are you understaffed they're going to tell you yes <laughs> because they feel understaffed because right. they feel overworked because they yeah. are overworked but right. there's a lot there's a lot that goes into that so walking everybody through okay like what are our roles? Are we sticking, are we sticking to, you know, what we said we were going to do, or are we putting the correct boundaries in place in terms of what we feel like everybody can realistically accomplish um, all of that, you know, how, how is all of that going? How are we utilizing the team? Then do we, do we need another person that becomes obvious once you work through it appropriately, right? And having everybody understand that I think is, is very helpful. And you, you get better ideas when people have more information. Sure.
0: Yeah. I'm all about collaborate, collaboration in a practice. And I think your point about informing everyone about exactly what's going on and being very transparent with the finances helps them get on board and then also do some problem solving for the practice. Exactly.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I come
0: up with great ideas for yeah. the leadership to figure it out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it does. It takes it. It's a group effort for sure. Yeah. Now tell me, um, I read, or you told me, I can't remember which, that there's an urgent care um, component of partner veterinary. And that's right. yeah. is that's right. that is that something unique like that you started or, cause I don't think there's a lot of urgent care right now in vet med. And I think that that's a really interesting and um, I think that's the idea of how to kind of even this out. So it's not just day practice and emergency you know, high, high specialty practices, right. that there's something in the middle, like the urgent care model that, that human med has. Is that what you're going for?
1: Agree. Yeah. And certainly we didn't come up with the concept. I think there's urgent care starting to pop up all sure. over the place. And right. um, we have five children, my husband and I, so we're very familiar on the wow. human side with urgent care <laughs> and how, how critical it can it's be. A lot of kids. Um, it's a lot of kids. There's uh, a lot of kids. We have a Brady Bunch family. So awesome. I love um, it. So, you know, we, we understand well on the human side, the, how that falls in and how that helps. Um, And so certainly, you know, veterinarians have started doing that. And I think it also gives a nice path for growth for veterinarians too. You know, some of them um, really enjoy those kind of more challenging, but rewarding cases like, yes, this one really needs to see me, but I can fix it. The biggest um, initiative that Christine and I had around starting an emergency practice is if we don't protect the people from this overwhelming demand, we're gonna be just like everybody else, right? So there's no point in doing it unless we figure out that piece. Right. Part of that piece is bringing urgent care in as a supportive mechanism for the ER. So when a case walks in, that client's gonna believe that it's an emergency if their pet's in distress or right. or, or unwell, right? right. But portion of those cases truly need to be seen and managed by an, emer- an emergency team, and a portion of those cases need to be seen by an urgent care team. So if we have both, and we can triage and we can not overwhelm one team or the other. And we can flex as needed because on a normal day, it would be this type of case goes to see the urgent care and this type of case goes to see emergency. But if you're having a day where one or the other is overwhelmed, we can flex and say, okay, what's the best thing for right now so that we can both help the client and make sure that no team gets overwhelmed. Okay. Um, and so the idea is to have both
0: in the same facility.
1: Correct. Yeah, yeah. our urgent care, care is open now.
0: Over here and an right. Emergency we opened that earlier.
1: That's okay. right. Yeah. Gotcha. Ultimately they'll all be together. Yeah. Um, we opened that earlier because we had an opportunity. We had a building and we had people that wanted to work. And the really nice thing about having that urgent care open prior to our buildings being open is that we've been able to test out some of these theories, um, mm-hmm. the things that we're doing see um, to see if they really work and adjust. And that team has been phenomenal and very uh, very flexible. We've adjusted hours. We've, uh, you know, changed operations um, to say, okay, here was our idea. How did it actually play out on the floor? Let's go back and, and tweak it and make sure that you know the the roles that we put in place are optimized for the the actual caseload we're seeing right um, coming right. through the door. So, yeah, so it's been far a blessing to have that. Well, yeah, it really yeah. it really is. They um, the team is phenomenal. Um, we are really fortunate to have the group that we have. Um, the clients have been super appreciative. So that's been really nice because I think that a lot of the people came to us um, having been in environments that were challenging. And because of that, like we talked about earlier, they're then not treated well by the public be, who, you know, is not receiving good care, not receiving right. good communication and is frustrated. So um, in this environment, the um, the clients have been very grateful to them um, for the help that they've provided. And it's been wonderful to see them reconnect to what they love about the profession. Um, That's, I would say, been the most rewarding thing out of everything they've done so far.
0: Yeah. I
1: I just really
0: think that urgent care model in some way is going to save us a little bit if we can figure that out. Because when the day practices are open, they're kind of both, right? A day practice and an urgent care an yeah, emergency, right. like we kind of get stuck with everything, but then when they get overwhelmed, yeah. we're sending everything to the ER and they can't deal with the ear infections and the, you know, bad skin. Exactly. Or, like I took my dog cause I was, I was out of town to a veterinary um, veterinarian because he was up coughing all night and he had been coughing for like two weeks because I thought he had kennel cough and I was treating him myself and it was going well. But then one night he just was hacking his brains out. And I was like, well, maybe I need an x-ray. And since I wasn't home at, near my own practice, I was like, well, I got to go to an emergency center and, you know, because yeah. the day practices wouldn't take him. And I felt guilty for take, because I know he wasn't dying. Like he was right, fine. Exactly. I listened to him. Yeah. His, his lung sounded clear, but I thought, well, maybe I need an x-ray or at least somebody to give me some stronger meds because I was, I didn't have anything strong with me. So I felt really guilty going into this ER with this dog that was fine. Basically, he was just honking, you know, so I I get that if I'd had a choice of going to urgent care, it would have been way better for me and way better. I'm sure for the ER that they didn't have to say, oh, you know, you're a vet and you already listened to him and you know, he's, he's basically fine, but you just need these meds. And I'm like, well, I didn't really have an option because I can't prescribed beds right. out of state. And like, this is what I had to do, but I felt bad about it. I felt bad about exactly. their time. That's right.
1: And and it is not a true emergency, but yet watching him struggle all night. I mean, all well, right. Like, yeah. It was up all night. Not, it was, it was yeah. a lot
0: about me too. Like I, I didn't sleep all night because he was honking and he sounded so bad, but it, exactly. it went from, you know, he was feeling better and he was getting better to all of a sudden he's up hacking all night. And, you know, since I was in another state, they're like, oh, we think it's allergic. You know, it's probably just allergic bronchitis. And I'm like, oh, good. Well, I just need stronger meds then. So let's go. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, still need
1: to fix it. Yeah, yeah lucky there, for there's me. There's a huge, yeah, yeah there's a huge able to um, me in. number of cases that are like that, you know, mm-hmm. that are really can't wait for a couple of weeks and really don't, aren't life threatening, but. Are uncomfortable or you know, yeah, I knew it wasn't an emergency. I felt yeah, but I called all the day yeah. practices and they were like,
0: we can't get you in. And I was like, okay, I guess yeah. I have to go to an ER. So yeah, yeah, I knew it wasn't an ER case. So, you know, and I, I wasn't like your typical client because I knew that that it was okay, but yeah, it it was a guilt, yeah. the guilt factor. So I really think urgent care would fill a lot of those gaps. Now, what is your strategy for getting enough veterinarians? Because that's another issue that I talk about a lot on the podcast, that we don't have enough vets or vet techs. What's your, I mean, other than treating them well, like you said, and giving them that time to to decompress
1: before they start, are there other ideas that you have around that problem? Great question. It was one of the things I was most worried about at the beginning. And one of the things I'm least worried about now, I think- The other nice thing about having the urgent care is that we can prove out our model. And so we've had a lot of doctors come through there and work a shift. And understandably, a lot of emergency vets are um, gun shy about taking a position anywhere for a couple of reasons. One is if they're held to a non-compete and then they're unhappy, they have to move um, to to be able to do their job. Um, We don't do non-competes. So we say, come try it out. Just, and it's value for us because anyone who comes through and works a shift can give us feedback positive or negative on what we could do better what we're doing well and it helps us hone kind of what we're trying to do prior to the 24-hour facility opening so um, we uh, we've been really lucky in recruiting we really um, we've only recently started to advertise positions we and and same with the techs Um, we had about 85 applicants for six positions when our urgent care first opened. It's amazing. Um, Yeah. So it's, you know, I think that the message resonates um, and that's why it's so important to stand behind what you say and actually make it happen because, you know, otherwise, you know, people would come through and be like, no, it's just like everywhere else, you know? Um, But, but being able to show, um, show what we're actually doing and, you know, I have to give credit to the team, you know, they are amazing to work with. So, um, the team, if you get the right people in the door, they recruit for you because right. people walk in and they're like, this is the kind of environment I wanted to be in. Um, it doesn't matter what Christine and I say, what, what matters most in culture is how it feels when right. that team works together. Yeah, when, in there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So let's talk a little bit about leadership. Cause you're, that's one of your passions, right? Leadership what's your philosophy on that? Or what kind of a leader are you? So the people out there that want to be leaders or are struggling as leaders
1: can learn from. Gosh, that's a great question. And that's a big question. I don't know if I have. (laughs) It might might
0: take a few days to unpack, right?
1: (laughs) It's true. Yeah. I, um, I think that the most important thing is I, um, I never feel like I have the answers. So I am always trying to surround myself with people who know more, have done more, who are actually doing the work. Um, you know, you have to rely on the people around you and listen more than anything.
0: Yeah. Um, and
1: listen and understand, and then just figure out. I think, um, I don't take, and this is a newer thing for me as a as a young leader. I would take things personally if they weren't going well, right? And that gets It's hard not to, right? It's hard not to, yeah.
0: You, you're like where the buck stops. That's Sometimes right. People exactly. People are unhappy.
1: You do take it personally for sure. Exactly. So it, in the beginning phases, you know, it, it's tough to deal with that kind of feedback, and you feel yeah. you you it, it's a personal hit, feels like. And um, maturing as a leader and understanding that. The, that is the most valuable feedback is the people that are willing to speak up and be honest and, and give it to you straight and having people around you that are willing to disagree with you. Um, all of those things that you know a, a less mature leader might shy away from is actually what makes you stronger. Sure. Um, and I think that the more you understand that um, and be around uh, leaders who are successful and also humble and understand um, that that's really the way, um, outside of that, it's just finding the right answer, you know, Um, and just staying connected to what, who you are as an organization. Things can get complicated fast. Um, There, there can be a ton of things pulling at your, um, pulling at your time and attention, but um, at the end of the day, if our team had a good day and went home happy, that's, that's a successful day, right? Yeah. And yeah. the more we can, the more environments that I can help create to make that happen, wherever it is in specialty, emergency, whatever state it's in, um, then that is that is what I live and breathe for. Um, really, like, that's it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> I, re- I really down. like your point
0: about learning from other leaders and putting yourself in, you said that kind of at the beginning, putting yourself in the vicinity. And mm-hmm. kind of just being open to others' ideas about leadership and, you know, what they're doing in their own practices and how it's working for them. And also, you know, through your team members that are actually working for you, like being part yeah. of those, part of that learning for leaders. I think sometimes leaders think that, you know, they need to have all the answers. I struggle with this a lot right. with, the, with my coaching clients is they feel like they can't say, I don't know. They can't. You right. Don't rely on anyone else it, to the clients. They don't want to say I don't know to the clients. And they don't want to say mm-hmm. I don't know to the team members. And I think unless you do that, unless you show that vulnerability and you show that openness to, you know, other people's ideas, that you're not going to get them and you're not going to do your best job as a leader. Right. Do you find
1: exactly. That? I do. Absolutely. And I think uh, you know, to a little bit of an extension of that is the self-care piece of, mm-hmm. you know, having grace with yourself. Cause I think that leaders who are, what I've seen as leaders who are hard on themselves are hard on other people,
0: you know? Yes. Yeah, it's that's absolutely to, true. They have
1: high expectations yeah. and so they exactly kind of, you know, transfer that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I think that, that, that comes from, you know, not giving yourself um, the, the space to, you know not be perfect every day or you know the, just be a human you know, right be a human exactly and so yeah. if you don't treat yourself as a human i think it's hard to treat others as humans and be understanding when um when they have needs i mean everybody goes through something that's going to make them less effective at work that is life right that is right. that those are the things that come at us that we have no control over we it happens with us and um and it's going to happen with our teams and I think if we don't learn pretty quickly how to how to value ourselves and, you know, put some oxygen in the tank uh, so that we can help other people, then it's really hard to expect anybody else to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: and actually model that for your team, you know, like this is what I'm doing for me. This is what I want you to do for you or whatever you need. So what do you do? for Katie like do you want to share some of your own personal self-care things i mean obviously you've been through a lot it's it sounds like you went through yeah. a lot with your dad and i'm sure there are other challenges in your life with five kids
1: yeah <laughs> <I can't laughs> there are, are.
0: i had a challenge with two i can't imagine five <laughs> so like, what do you they, do to um, care for yourself
1: yeah great question i learned a couple of years ago that if i didn't prioritize time um exercise is important to me, um, to, cause that is the one thing that I do that is just for myself. Um, it helps my head stay clear. Um, and so it would be easy to say, I didn't have time to do that. Right. <laughs> With um,
0: five kids. Yeah, That's exactly. Excuse, right. I,
1: I don't have time. That's to right.
0: That. I'm right. working. I have,
1: you have two jobs and five. Yep, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. So yeah. Um, I'm really disciplined with when I am working, I am very well organized and very focused and I definitely put in a lot of hours. And when I'm not working, I'm very focused on my family because I really love being with them. Um, I love these ridiculous dogs behind me. um, are so know, spending back there. <laughs> exactly. Mine are in um, here too. I think they barked a little bit. I heard, there? yeah, but I heard. they're
0: down on the floor, so you can't see
1: them. They're yes. not up on the couch. <laughs> yeah, we might have to put a little, uh, you know, block. Oh, no, I like thing that. Up That's, for perfect. Likes That's to a show perfect him. background for my podcast. <laughs> so. He does.
0: I always say dogs are always welcome. Any pets yes. are always welcome.
1: Perfect. He, uh, yeah, he is not shy, clearly, um, but really, you know, spending time with them. I love to travel um, and Christine and I both, um, you know, my partner, she's also very driven. She runs um, ultra marathons. I mean, oh, wow. you know, and we both, it is it is honestly a struggle to find time to do things that make us who we are, but we constantly have a, a conversation about that and hold each other accountable to if we can't do it just like you said you have to model it for your team right absolutely so yeah. we know we're better leaders when we do the things that make us happy right and you know that's what we want out of everybody else right. so and sometimes other yes. things
0: can wait right sometimes you have to say okay right. I, really, I really need to do this but the exercise is the priority
1: exactly exactly and then i think um what I've learned I think recently is just being present. I think I've always struggled with my brain working on 10 things at once um or you know trying to you know fit my brain's still working on something while I'm doing something else. Right. Yeah. And then you're not, I have a present. squirrel
0: brain. I have that yes. like
1: squirrel squirrel.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I, I struggle with that too.
1: <laughs> yes. So nobody will call you out on that. Like a kid does, you know, they know, like you are not in this candyland game. I can tell you are thinking about something else. You are yes. checking your phone. Yes. Um, I remember and- that my kids are like, <laughs> mom, you're not paying attention. Yep, they know because kids are really good at being in the moment. So, Mm -hmm. you know, part of having five kids is being able to see how they approach the world and how they take it in and try to remember and, you know, say, okay, "Okay, yes, I could be doing a thousand things right now, but right now I'm doing this. And until I'm done with this, this is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm only doing. And I am absolutely not perfect at that. I still struggle with it. But the intention is there every day, the intention of, you know, can, okay, once it's shut off, can I walk away and do these other things? Um, again, it it's, it's the ongoing, can I be better tomorrow than I was today at this thing?
0: Well, and I think that that's the key, right? Like nobody arrives. We're all on this right, journey, right. like yes. until we die, we're all on this journey yep. of self-discovery and self-improvement and self-development if we choose to take it. And I, and I yep. think what you said about modeling your own being present with kids or with dogs, like, look at that dog behind you. That dog yep. is definitely it's enjoying ridiculous. the moment, right? He's yes. just sprawled out and enjoying his nap. And so yep. I think that just thinking that if you can be more like a kid or a dog in a lot of ways, yep. it's, it's so valuable and, it is. and I really want people to hear what you said about not ever being perfect about doing it. Like someone like you, that's so driven and is the CEO of two different companies and has two jobs and has five kids is like, you also struggle and that's okay.
1: Yep. I, I, uh, I didn't realize how important that was until someone said that to me they, and someone who knew very well the struggles I was, you know, cause I, you know, had personal struggles along the way. I've now Built this amazing family. I am in the right marriage. Um, and before that, things were tough. Right. Things were real tough. Yeah. Um, and uh, only a couple people knew that. And they and one of them said to me, "You know, people don't understand that you have those struggles. And if they did, they might, you know, feel like more was possible for them. If that right. makes sense. Yeah, you know? no, it so absolutely really, makes yeah. sense. You know, um, I had one of
0: my coaching yeah. clients say to me one day." well, how does it feel to have it all together? And I was like, <laughs> honey, like right. I know, you follow me thing. around all day and yes. see how, you know, look at my desk, da- see how oh, chaotic yeah. my life is. And no, I yeah. don't have it all together. No one does. Yeah. And it's I think like, because- Oh, it they- looks like. Yeah, they see this like facade or whatever they see our hair done or like they don't see me first thing in the morning they don't see the struggles I have with my kids and my family and like nobody sees that until we get real about it and talk about it and I really think that that's so 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 important for people to embrace is that the struggle is part of it. Like life is good and bad. And if we didn't have the bad, we wouldn't know the good. And like, that is like such a message that I want people to embrace. And I'm so glad that you talked about it because, you know, you on paper look perfect, but, and you in person look perfect too. (laughs) You look like you have it all together, but I just to tell people that, yeah, like I struggle, like I struggle to be present with my kids. I struggle to get my exercise in, you know, like we all have that. My daughter challenged me to a yoga challenge for 30 days and today's day 10. And I'm like, oh, hell, how am I going to do this every day for 20 more days? (laughs) But I'm just like, you know, I, I, I do yoga. I just don't do it every day. But now I told my daughter I would do it. So now we're doing it. But, um, you know, it's just, they, they, they they don't see how hard it is to get moving, you know, and get going
1: in whatever you're working on. Exactly. And there's no difference between, you know, you or I, and a lot of the vets or techs or CSRs that we work with in terms of what they're capable of in this world. Right. If they were really, yeah, I, you know, I do not have an MBA and I did not go to grad school to be a CEO. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I, you know, and that, that's been uh, tough from a, um, you know, having imposter syndrome in a in a highly credentialed industry. Right. You know, people that have all kinds of letters and the the fact that I learned differently, I felt at times like maybe I shouldn't be here. Um. And I had and I had a, an amazing coach, Maggie. If you're listening, um, mm-hmm. she said, "What qualifies you to be a CEO is that you're doing it." Right. <laughs> you know? It's not, not the way that you got there. It's, right. it's how, that you're doing it yeah. every day, and that's that's really stuck with me. And um, and I think that's important for people to see that we don't all have to have a linear path from A to B. I mean, right. and and we all get one shot at this. And so, if you're not happy in the in the profession, one of the things I very much believe, and I have a um, a seminar that I give to to texts in terms of career options. I believe that there's a place in this profession for everybody um, to that is fulfilling for them. Um, and will make them happy and make them want to stay. It needs it. You know, the people need you. The people with ridiculous Labrador. Right. Into things all the time, you know, we need you here. So that's a story so that other people can see that. Yeah. And I th- I think
0: that's so, so, so key is that we all, we all have a place and we can all find it. It just takes a little bit of work.
1: Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of work, but it's worth it. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want Usually to work with a different a lot of work, group of right? people. Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine being in any other profession. I mean, how,
0: That's how rewarding amazing, this one is, how they?
1: important, yeah. Yeah, vets yeah. and
0: Vet Techs are the coolest people, they really are.
1: Yeah, All right,
0: absolutely. so let me ask you one more thing before we start to kind of wrap it up, because I know I've been keeping you for a while here. Um, Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a big question. (laughs) I I like
0: to ask that question, because there are times when I get kind of in my own space. And I want to learn what you have to offer on this podcast. And I always tell everyone that's on the podcast that if you ever want to come back, I'm happy to have you and talk about anything. Um, but that question sometimes unlocks, like you're like, "Oh, I wish I would have said this," or you know, "There's Great one question I want to tell you about my business or about myself."
1: Yeah, I think um, one of the things that um, I think uh, I think one good question would be, "Would you have done anything differently looking back?" Right. Yes. Um it's a good one. In terms of, you know, how how I got here, where I am, what I'm doing, um and I would say absolutely not, um uh, because it was difficult and it was long and it was um it was tough and humbling and um it definitely took a harder path. Um but it also made me who I am. So I think chances are valuable, right? The hard right. ones, you... the happy ones, the triumphs, Sorry, Katie. the failures. Katie, can yeah. you say that
0: again? Because I think my internet might be a little unstable. Can you just say that one oh more God. time? What you just said in yeah. last sentence? Uh,
1: yeah, no, I think, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the path that you take, all of the, you know, the twists and the turns and the difficult parts and um, that all of that matters and all of that makes us who we become. Right. Um, and to, to see value in the failures, um, see value in the hard parts, um, and just keep going. I think that if I had an easy path, a straight path to this, I would not be the person I am today. Right. Um, so that I value those moments, I think, more than anything.
0: Yeah, I agree with you totally. Like there's so much that you sometimes get to a point where you say, Oh, maybe I should have done this or maybe this would have been better, but it's yeah. all meant to be the way it is.
1: It is. And I think our brains can tell us when things get hard that we're doing the wrong thing, and that's not true you know um so you you know you just stay focused on on what it is that you want and just just keep on going and that's those are the those are the parts that make you stronger and make you learn yeah just taking the steps
0: taking a baby step every day
1: a little bit a little
0: step towards whatever it is that you want yep absolutely that's great i love it so is there anything else that you want to tell us about partner veterinary
1: anything that we didn't cover that we missed um I think, you know, our, at the end of the day, what we're creating is an agency and, uh, and really um, is meant to create sustainability. Katie, I'm so sorry. I
0: don't know what's happening, but you're freezing. up oh, a little bit. We're almost done. So if we could just finish up this last part, I think we'll be good. All right. Do you feel stable? <laughs> I think I'm- no, you're still, frozen. <laughs> you're still a little frozen on my, That's uh, a loading. I know, right? All right, let me just. <laughs> okay, let's hear you talk and see if you're stable. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. Um, we're just, you know, trying to build an emergency and specialty practice that's um, built around the teams, um, allows people to do what they, can, the way that they fit and taken care of. And yeah, I love it. I just, I really think
0: your mission is amazing. I think what you're trying to do is amazing. So I hope people check you out. Can you tell them where to get more information, tell them a
1: little bit more yeah, give them our, the email address or website or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Websites, uh, partnervesc.com. Um, and you'll see our practices in Richmond, Virginia and Frederick, Maryland career opportunities, all of that.
0: I love it. Well, I really appreciate Thanks. you being here today and doing this with me. It was really fun and delightful to meet you. And I love your mission. And so I hope that we get to work together again.
1: Me too. I love your mission too. And thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Yeah, it's been great.
0: So if anybody has any questions or anything they want to ask Katie or anything we didn't talk about that you think we should have, send me an email and uh, we'll get back together maybe again sometime. Um, But have a beautiful week, everyone. And uh, thank you so much, Katie.
1: Great. Thank you, Julie. All
0: right. Bye. Bye, everyone.